Hello, thank you for being here. My name is Dr. Laura Greenfield from lauragreenfield.com and you are listening to Let's Talk Facilitation. I teach college educators to be outstanding, socially just class discussion facilitators. My primary focus is to help educators, including those who are nervous public speakers, to recognize the potential they already have within themselves to be outstanding facilitators and then to support them in developing purposeful practices. Today, I'm talking about how to make discussions inclusive, for real. Not just stating the intention and going about business as usual, but actually changing how we may be used to engaging. In particular, in today's episode, which is part one of a two-part series, I'm going to share with you a different way of thinking about your specific goals when you say you want your discussions to be more inclusive. I chose this topic today because I know that inclusivity is a value driving many of my listeners as you approach your work as an educator. I'm going to offer you a different way to conceptualize what that means. This conceptualization will be vital to enacting the steps I'll describe in my next episode. So let's dive in. The assumption that people make about inclusion is that it's about making everyone feel welcome, about making everyone feel included. Now, this is certainly a lovely sentiment, but it's not adequate for a definition. And the reason why is because the assumption about being welcome doesn't consider the role of power. I want to talk about the importance of understanding power dynamics when it comes to questions of inclusion. And so to do this, I'm going to give you three definitions. We're going to talk about exclusion, inclusion, and then a third concept, which I in fact offer as a better alternative to the concept of inclusion. And we'll get to that in a moment. But first, let's talk about exclusion and what exclusion means through the lens of power. In the context of exclusion, people who have power or control over a group, those we might think of as the insiders, say to those who don't have power or control with respect to the group, or those we might consider outsiders, no, you are not welcome here. So the people who have power say, no, you are not welcome here to the people who don't have power. So for example, uh, in a broader context, we might say that if white people who own a restaurant say that black people aren't allowed inside, that would be an example of exclusion, where white people have the power and say that black people aren't welcome. In the context of a class discussion, a facilitator handing out materials for the discussion, all printed on colored paper written in tiny serif font, which is illegible to many people with dyslexia or low vision, would be an example of exclusion because the implied message is that physically abled people who have the power are saying that disabled people aren't welcome. So that's an example of exclusion. Now, inclusion, when we consider it through the lens of power, would be where people who have the power or control over a group, the insiders, say to those who don't have the power or control over the group, the outsiders, 
okay, you are welcome here. So it's those same insiders making the decision to welcome the outsiders. So for example, if we go back to the previous scenario mentioned, white people owning a restaurant and saying that black people are allowed to eat here would be an example of inclusion. So in this case, white people have the power and they say that black people who don't have the power are welcome. In the context of a discussion, a facilitator handing out materials for the discussion all printed on color paper written in tiny serif font would also hand out an extra black and white copy in large sans serif font in case someone needs it. In this case, the physically abled people still have the power, but they say that disabled people are welcome and we've accounted for your needs. Now, in both of these cases, the power dynamics haven't changed. So, for example, white people are still in control in both scenarios. Simply in one, they have said, no, black people are not welcome. And in the other case, they have said, yes, black people are welcome. Or in the one case, the able-bodied people are still in control and they say, no, disabled people are not welcome or yes, disabled people are welcome. What's problematic is that the power dynamics haven't changed and indeed the power holders in any of those scenarios could change their mind at any time. So while at one moment they might be inclusive, they could change their mind at any time and be exclusive. As a host in a restaurant or in a class facilitation, those power holders still dictate how things are done. They dictate what is allowed and what isn't, what will be valued and what won't be valued, and so forth. So even though the outsiders are welcome to be here, they are still guests in a space not their own. For justice to truly prevail, we need to change the power structure itself. There cannot be those with power and those without. Instead, we want to look at ways that everyone has agency. So as an alternative to the concept of exclusion and inclusion, I want to offer what some educators refer to as radical inclusion or what I like to refer to simply as transformation, the transformation of systems. Now in this model, radical inclusion or transformation, power is shared. It's not that some have it and some don't, but everyone is exercising power. So in this case, no one is an outsider. There is no inside or outside. Instead, everybody is an actor with agency, with the ability to influence or impact on the situation. In this context, no one is the host and no one is the guest. Everyone simply participates. And in this context, multiple ways of being or doing things is valued. Now, the sticking point to that final uh, observation is that the goal can't be that every way of doing things is valued. There are, in fact, some limits to that. So, for example, racist ways of doing things cannot be valued. Sexist ways of doing things cannot be valued. Classist ways of doing things cannot be valued. Transphobic ways of doing things cannot be valued, and so forth. So not every value is invited to the table. 
those types of uh, hateful or exclusionary practices are not, in fact, insiders in this kind of concept. Now, this isn't about so-called canceling people. Um, it's not about uh, prohibiting people from participating necessarily, but about preventing the patterns that cause harm from participating. Now, leading radically inclusive or transformative spaces requires courage because it means pushing back against a traditionally liberal approach that says everyone should have a voice and all ideas are valid when ethically they are not. Not all ideas are valid. And if we want a radically inclusive space, a transformative space, there should not be room to voice exclusionary values. Now, in our upcoming episode, part two of how to make discussions inclusive for real, I will explore how to shift from the inclusion model to the radical inclusion or transformation model. If you found this analysis compelling but didn't have the opportunity to write these concepts down, I put together a free PDF for you titled An Alternative to the Inclusion Buzzword. There I've written out a simple and concise definition of exclusion, inclusion, and radical inclusion or transformation through the lens of power for your ease of future reference. So head over to laragreenfield.com forward slash seven, that's the number seven, to grab your copy of the PDF and alternative to the inclusion buzzword. Thanks so much for listening in today. And until next time, happy teaching. Thank you.